Hello everyone, Mark here from the Build Up Podcast in association with Labbrooks. Our full show is up on our Balls.e podcast feed right now. We've got a big weekend of sport coming up. We talked to Kevin Doyle about Ireland-Georgia game, but here we're going to give you a little sneak preview of what you can expect in the full episode by playing our Stephen Ferris interview ahead of Ireland against Samoa. As I mentioned, for the full show, be sure to subscribe to the Build Up by searching Balls.e podcast or indeed the Build Up on Balls.e in all good podcast apps. Stephen, last week we were uh, fairly depressed after the Japan game. The Russia match, uh, it didn't inspire uh, too much hope either. What was your take on the game? We got there in the end, got the bonus point, but we made hard work of it. Yeah, we certainly did. Um, apologies for my voice. I've, I've actually, I'm actually starting to lose my voice. I think it's, I've been talking too much rugby over the last <laughs> three or four weeks, but I think there's a lot of people are on the same boat. Um, yeah, I think it was... To give you a straight-up answer, I think it was disappointing. Um, I, I really thought I was going to see a bit of a, a bounce back from Ireland. You know, when you don't play well and, and you get beat, um, you're looking for a reaction. And I'm not really sure if we've seen that reaction. Um, I know it was a quick, really quick turnaround of four days to play in Russia. Um, but I actually thought Russia probably played some better rugby than, than we did. You know, uh, I thought that we just looked... Like a team that is, is struggling for confidence, um, we looked anxious at times, um, and you know, in big big games like quarterfinals, if you're going to play like that, you know, there, there's only going to be one outcome. But I, I, I believe that this, with this ten day break that they've had, you know, a, a chance to recharge the batteries and you know maybe put in a performance against Samoa like we witnessed in the first game against Scotland, which gives us all a lot of hope. Um, but to come back to that game against Russia, I just thought that you know I, I was expecting so much more considering you know, the defeat against Japan, and I really was looking at a reaction. And unfortunately for all the Irish fans watching on, it, uh, as you said, there it didn't really fill us full of confidence. Um, and you know, a thirty-five or six-point win, whatever it was, um, you probably expected it to be double that. But everybody's coming out and saying they got the job done. We got five points. That's the main thing, you know. They they played what was in front of them, and, and that's fair enough. But, you know, you look at the way South Africa, New Zealand, and even England are dispatching uh, teams of a similar quality. Um, you know, it just shows, from my own personal opinion, that we're, we're just not hitting our straps yet. Uh, a, lot of, a lot was made of the conditions, the humidity, the ball was so slippery. Have you ever played in a match like that? And can it really have a detrimental effect, not just in terms of maybe that... You know, obviously, there's the obvious errors if you drop the ball, you know, things like that happening, but also maybe that it's, it's weighing on your mind all the time that you're concentrating so much on those simple skills that you usually don't have to think about that maybe that can have a, a, an effect even beyond what we can obviously see with the naked eye. Yeah, no, I think it is weighing on their minds. I think it's weighing on a lot of teams' minds, um, just not Japan's. Um, they're used to the conditions. I was involved in a, an under 21 game in uh, Durban in South Africa and it was really really humid it was like 35 degrees um, it was more the sweat on the ball um, you know the sugar and the salt that's in your in your sweat going onto the ball and it's almost it's it's slipperier than it is if it's pissing down with rain like um, it, it really is like a bar of soap um, and I can remember I, personally in that game I had a couple of knock-ons and I can sympathise with the, the lads that I'm sure it, it is horrendous. And when you're standing there about to receive the ball, you're maybe not thinking about what's you know the next phase or two phases ahead. All you're doing is trying to catch the the ball itself and and go forward. And 
it's not just catching the ball, guys. It's when you catch the ball and get into contact that there's one little nudge in the ball can dislodge it from your arm or, um, you know, carrying it in two hands. And, you know, so I definitely agree with you. I think the lads are it's in the back of their minds that, you know, they really got to be secure with the possession. Um, and that's really noticeable within Ireland is that, you know, there's been uncharacteristic mistakes made, especially with handling errors, errors and the kicking game with the aerial um, battle as well. Just too many turnovers, too many mistakes, and it's something that we're not used to seeing. Stephen, can you tell us a bit about what it's like as a player on these on these tours um, when you're so far from home? I mean, the lads left on the 11th of September. It's be you know, it's basically been a month that they've been in Japan, and it's such a long time to be away from home. And we're trying to figure out, you know, how they can play their way back into some kind of form. But I just wonder a bit, like, what is it, what is it like when you're away for that long, and um, does it start to get into your head a bit? just inevitably just living out of hotel rooms and um, being on the go and being so far from your families. Is it, 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 what, um, in 2011, when you guys were in New Zealand, what, what was, just what's the experience like as you head into this sort of, like this sort of last group uh, game weekend before the quarterfinals kickoff? Yeah. Um, it's, it's brilliant, lad. You're away from the message. <laughs> 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 um, so of course, it can be very tough. Other people can just jump on a plane and go to the other side of the world, and it's, it's totally fine. Others can get homesick very easily. Um, I was chatting, I think, at the end of last week, talking about you know rugby overload and making sure that Joe uses his ten days to make sure lads get away from rugby, and, you know, and do things with each other, enjoy each other's company. And it's not just being bogged down with rugby. And people were replying to me saying these guys are getting paid hundreds of thousands of pounds every year to go out and play rugby and do a job. What are you on about, about being bogged down and about having too much rugby and having too much information and everything else? I think some people kind of misunderstood my point. It's like anything. If, if it gets on top of you, you're not going to perform as well. Um, like a few guys are in work 24-7 for three days in a row. But on the third day, your, your standard of work and your level of work isn't going to be as good as it was on the first day. And I think that's what I'm trying to, that's the point I was trying to make. That, that rugby overload, it's not just a physical thing, it's a mental thing. It's going in, sitting on laptops, just constantly being, uh, having this information thrown at you. And, you know, in 2015, I know for a fact that guys were feeling like that because I spoke to some of the guys that were on the tour or on the, on the, uh, World Cup trip. So, you know, it's finding a balance and everybody needs to get, um, let off, first of all, let off a bit of steam. Secondly, get out of that camp environment um, and you know just get away from work for a few hours. Like uh, I think that's vitally important. And whether that's get away from work and spend it with your family, who's maybe flown over for a week, um, and you go out for dinner or go and do some, some things with them or girlfriends or partners or whatever it may be. Um, like that is vitally important. Um, and even look at the the English management; they, they've said yes, no problem wives, families, partners, whatever, bring them out. Um, they're more than happy for them to be socialising with the team. Uh, I think that's important. But to go back to your point, Donnie, it, it, can, be, it can be hard being away from home for so long. I can remember Bruno Gare when we first arrived in, in Queenstown in New Zealand. Um, and he was, you know, FaceTiming or Skyping his wife and his, his three kids at the time. And, um, you know, they're getting up for breakfast at 8 o'clock in the morning and we're mm-hmm. about to head to bed at 10 o'clock at night. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's just that it's just that vicious circle of coming round, and everybody's in different time frames and um, trying to make things work, and having family at home to keep them happy, but also making sure that your main focus is is, is trying to win a rugby world cup. So um, it's a great point to make. It really is. This game this weekend coming up. What are you looking for in it? I suppose like it's 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 a weird one because it's kind of almost out of our hands. Obviously, you're you're just kind of wanting to get this game over and done with, and then move on to seeing what happens against uh, with Japan and Scotland on Sunday. Selection wise, uh, we don't have the team yet that Joe uh, has picked. But again, it's we we talked about this last week. It's hard to know what you can really learn from these games and maybe who's on form. There's probably still question marks over the back row. What are your you know your first choice back row going into? That quarter final, I suppose, yeah. maybe we learn a little bit more about that. Yeah, I think we will. Uh, I believe that Robbie Henshaw is going to start. Um, that's the that's the word coming out of camp. Um, you know, I think if he didn't start, what the bloody hell was was he even on the trip for? Yeah. Um, you know, in in the squad, if he if he doesn't start this game, so I think he will start this game. And, um, you know, other guys are, are putting up their hand. Well, Rob Carney got another opportunity. There's a couple of uh, times in that Russia game where he, he just didn't look himself, you know, just letting balls bounce and um, making a few mistakes. Uh, will he get another opportunity? Or will Jordan Warner be called upon? Because, you know, Jordan certainly put a lot of pressure on him, especially after his performance in the Scottish game. Um, so, yeah, when it comes to team selection, I think the front five picked at the minute, lads, I think, you know, Ian Healy, Roy Best, Mike Furlong, Henderson, and Brian um, pick themselves. They'll be fresh, they'll be ready to go. Um, they'll hopefully bring a physicality that we didn't see in the last two games. Um, and an, an energy. There, there didn't seem to be any energy at all in the last two games. It's, maybe that's just the fatigue, the, the conditions, or whatever it is. Um, but the Northern Hemisphere teams definitely seem to be suffering a little bit, especially in the, in the final 20, 30 minutes with the conditions. But yeah, team selection is going to be an interesting one. Uh, I really, I'd love to see Johnny Sexton run out play at eighty minutes. Um, I'd love you to tell me when the last time Johnny Sexton played eighty minutes in a game of rugby was. Um, probably about five or six months ago. Mm. So for me, you know, if Ireland are going to go on and, and win a quarter final, he's going to need to play eighty minutes in a quarter final for for Ireland to do that. So I'd love to see him get eighty minutes. Um, Connor Murray uh, play him as long as he he wants to stay out there. Uh, and try and get some continuity and, and some relationships and some options together and, and try and get this wheel turning. And how would you uh, pick the back row, Stephen? And there's, I mean, there's not many back rowers left there, but um, would you pick? <laughs> yeah. Would you pick it? Would you pick a, th- a back three looking with an eye to the quarterfinal, or would you hope to keep the same three guys for the whoever we play, South Africa, or New Zealand? No, I think you got. I think I would if I was. Um, put my hand up for, for selection for a quarter final, I would probably want to play this game. Mm. Um, I would want to get 70, 80 minutes under my belt so that I feel like I'm cooking come the, the, the quarter final. Um, there's been a lot been said about Peter Amani and you know uh, the way the breakdown has been refereed at the minute is he a little bit of a liability. I've seen Mike Tindall had said that um, after the, the, the Japan game. He doesn't seem to be at the top of his uh, the top of his game. Like you know, it's not the Peter Amani we saw against New Zealand, you know, eighteen months ago, two years ago. So, um, but his experience that he brings in the big matches that I think you can't leave him out. Um, you know, you can't play somebody like Tyburn because he doesn't have that big game experience. Mm-hmm. So I would go with Josh Van der Fleer, Peter Amani, and you know, 
I don't think there's anybody else but TJ Standard could play number eight unless Reese Ruddock wants to stick his hand up. Um, and yeah, I think that's the way Joe's going to go. Uh, I think he's pretty predictable when it, with, with his team selection and big matches. And I could nearly guarantee, you know, if the small game wasn't being played this weekend and Ireland were playing in the World Cup quarterfinal, with what's happened over the last three weeks, I believe he would go with Van der Fleer, Albany, and Sander. Are we being a little presumptuous thinking we're going to get this bonus point win with Samoa? Is there anything that would have you slightly worried? So Japan beat them last weekend by 19 points. Uh, again, you would, you would like a few weeks ago, we would write, you know, we'll just look completely past this game. But do we need to kind of concentrate yeah. and make sure we have all our ducks in a row first? I think the way Ireland's game plan is and has been, especially over the last year, the way they like to keep the ball in play a lot and just truck it up. And you know, some very interesting stats that, uh, you know, Ireland have, on average, I think it's 135 carries per game. And of those 135 carries, they're averaging 433 metres per game. And the only teams below that on, on the average are Russia, USA, Tonga, and Samoa. Like, and then Ireland are the next. So all those, all these carries that we're making, we're not actually making any ground. Um, and, and those other teams that I mentioned are the only teams behind us. The forwards are only making on average one point six meters per carry in the games. Where you look at so, you look at the English side, they're making on average three point two. That's double the amount of meters their forwards are, are are making. But if I go back to the game plan, I feel if Ireland go in this multi-phase, seven, eight, nine, ten phases, that will play into their hands because this Samoan outfit will tire and they won't be able to keep up with that. And it doesn't matter if they're making one and a half metres each carry, you know, they'll burn them out and they'll get them on the outside and they'll get overlaps and they'll get numbers up. But it's that big F, guys. It's that big F of been able to hold on to the ball because we've just seen of late that there has been so many mistakes, not just with Ireland's performances, but with all the other teams, uh, with the handling errors due to the conditions. But to, to sum all that up, I, I think, you know, Ireland, what I want to see from them is a, is a really dominant performance. Like, a really, this is where we're at. We're coming into a quarterfinal, all guns blazing. This is what this is what we're Ireland's all about. Instead of the last two matches, where everybody's sort of scratching their heads and if we go into a quarter-final, like the way we've played in the last two games, you know, we're, we're going to fight the wrong end of it. So, yeah, just a dominant performance of you know, a good victory um, and a good brand of rugby and, you know, keep those mistakes back. Looking ahead then to the game, the Japan-Scotland game, which is for the neutral, uh, a massive game this weekend. And obviously, people will be looking forward and for us, we'll be a little bit worried about depending on the, the result. How do you see yeah. it going? I'm just looking here in Labrooks. Uh, Scotland are 8-11, to 11, slight favourites. Uh, Japan are 6-5. to five. Uh, Donnie was saying it here on the podcast. He's like, you know, are people still kind of sleeping on how good this Japan team are? Yeah, I think so. Um, so Scotland played tomorrow against Russia. Um, and then they have a really quick turnaround to play against Japan. Where Japan have, I think it's eight days um, rest from their last game to the Scottish game. So for me, that is huge. Absolutely huge. You, you look at the, the games that have went by. Australia played Fiji. Um, it was a pretty tight game for the most part. Four days later or three days later, Fiji had the play and they get turned over by Uruguay. You know, I, I think these really, really quick turnarounds have a massive impact on, on uh, level of performance. And for, for me to, 
to hear there that uh, Scotland are favourites. Um, considering the way, firstly, Japan are playing, but also with the quick turnaround, I think I would be back in Japan all day long. Good stuff. Six to five is interesting. Obviously, like we're saying, I think um, for us, it's hard to know what what you want because, like, you're looking at looking at such a dominant performance by South Africa again um, today. Like, there is an you know, it's, it's it's almost kind of the point now where it's much of a muchness between New Zealand and South Africa and who we would actually get in the quarter final. Who would you prefer? Yeah, you know what? I want I want to see Japan. I want to see Japan beat Scotland. I want to see Scotland dumped out. Um, I, I think Scotland talk it up all the time. Of you know, this is the best best preparation they've ever had. They're playing the best rugby and blah blah blah. They're just a team that always bigs themselves up but never deliver. Um, and you know, it was the same when I played against them also. So they always get one big scalp here or there. But I think they're a team that's gone backwards over the last eighteen months. Um, I'm not sure why that why that is, considering the players that they have. You know, Glasgow's dominance in the in the Pro 14. You know, it's only Leinster really that can keep up with them, but it just doesn't translate into the international team. So, yeah, I I, I want Japan the the win. Um, I want them to beat Scotland. And you know, I want. Uh, I think it would be first of all, it'd be brilliant for um the host nation to get through to a quarter final. But secondly, I think Japan deserve it. I think the way that they've actually went about their business, they they deserve to be there. Um. They've been the best team to watch in the group. They've played the best brand of rugby. Um, you know, take out the first thirty minutes of the game against Russia, where I'm sure they were very, very nervous, opening the whole of the Rugby World Cup. Like Japan have been probably one of the best teams in the tournament. So yeah, I think Japan are are, are going to go through along with Ireland. Um, and who do you want to face? Well, neither of them would be would be uh, brilliant. But um, for me personally, I. I think Ireland would be better suited to playing against South Africa. I think with the line speed that they have, Ireland's kicking game could really cause them problems. Um, you look at Ireland's tries, they've scored six out of their 11 tries uh, through their kicking game. You know, one of those was a, was a regather from a, a restart, but all the rest of them are from kicks. Um, so, you know, it just shows how much the kicking game means to Ireland and, and going forward against South Africa with their rush line speed. I feel that uh, that could be a a gem that they could keep up their sleeve and, and maybe spring a shock. But if you beat South Africa, I think Ireland have the, the, the firepower and manpower to go on and win a, a Rugby World Cup. I think Ireland are definitely capable of one big game in them. Um, to have three in a row, I'm just not quite sure at the minute. Thanks a million, Stephen. Look at this. It's going to be a brilliant weekend and uh, hopefully we can enjoy it and uh, get out the other sides as you. Absolutely. Cheers, lads. Appreciate it. Cheers, Stephen.